Hello and welcome to The Word Opened with me, Bramwell, from Horness Ministries. This is a weekly podcast opening God's Word, going through verse by verse and looking at what God's Word, the Bible, says. Over the last few weeks, we have been looking at Acts 1. And over the, and we've done two shows, and first show took Acts 1 verse 1, and the second show last week took Acts 1 verse 2. So you can probably guess where we are in this week's show. Yep, we are in Acts 1 verse 3. But I'm going to read from Acts 1 verse 1 uh, down to verse 3 again to give us the full context of where we are the formal account I made, O Theolopolis, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Yeah, remember we've been talking about who Theopolis was. We were talking about the whole thing being based on Jesus' beginning, commencing of what he did and what he taught and the fact that everything should be based on that and that the two things go hand in hand. It's what we do and what we speak that are important. You can't have one without the other. And then last week we were looking at this whole thing of why he was taken up and the fact that the need for Jesus to go to heaven to then bring down the Holy Spirit so that he could send the Holy Spirit and that the Holy Spirit then came to convict. It comes to convict of sin, convict of righteousness. You know, it didn't come to condemn. Jesus never came to condemn. God never condemns. But they come to convict. And today, here we come to this in verse 3. Again, this reminder of Jesus that he presented himself alive after his suffering. He presented himself alive after his suffering. After the suffering on the cross, Jesus presented himself alive. This is not a dead faith. Believing in Jesus is a faith that is alive today because Christ is alive today. When he died upon that cross and was buried in the tomb, he didn't stay there. He didn't stay dead. But three days later, he rose again. And that's what these infallible proofs are that Luke is writing about. He's talking about. You know, he is now talking about the fact that there is proof that Jesus has risen. This word alive in the original Greek uh, translates as to live, to be among the living, be alive, not lifeless, not dead. Did Jesus, when he rose from the grave, he didn't just rise and come back as a ghost. He was very much alive. He was a human being. 
He was able to walk, you know, as, as you and I walk. He was able to eat as you and I eat. But there was a supernatural thing about him because he was able to appear in places you know, simultaneously all over the place. He was able to come through uh, locked doors. You know, there was a supernatural element to Jesus beyond what he had already had. The supernatural element of the healing that he had been doing, the miracles that he had been doing. Now, there was a deeper element of that supernatural within him after his resurrection. But there was also a fully human element within his resurrection. He was alive and nothing had changed. And what uh, Luke is looking at now is these infallible proofs. He's making it clear that there were many, many infallible proofs. In the Greek, this uh, this term, infallible proofs, uh, translates as that from which something is surely and plainly known. An indebutable evidence, a proof. There is evidence, there is proof. It is plainly known that he was alive and nothing can change that nothing can take that away and so we're going to look at some of these infallible proofs uh, throughout today's time together but i also want to just say to you you know, there are a number of books also in regards to this you know, and you may there's a film the case of christ you know, which is a great film a journalist who doesn't believe in Christ and, and you know, his wife is transformed and changed by Christ. She comes to faith. He doesn't believe it. And so he sets out to, to prove that Jesus isn't real. And by the end of it, and it's a true story, by the end of it, he comes to Christ himself. There's another book that uh, came out in 2021 that I've just finished reading by J. Warner Wallace called Person of Interest. Fascinating book that I found. Again, you know, he didn't start writing this book to disprove Jesus as such, but he was an atheist. And he put into, into practice what he knew from his his daily job as a cold case homicide detective he put them into practice to then find that jesus was real and it was it's, it's a fascinating book because what he does as well is he doesn't use the bible he uses other stuff around to prove that jesus does exist you know he talks about there's a whole thing about art and about um music and about other faiths and yeah it's just it, it's it's a really good book and i'd recommend that one as as one of the new ones um within the last couple of years jay warner wallace person of interest but we're going to look at some uh, of these uh, uh, some of the infallible proofs that are there in the bible just before we do dig into Looking in the Bible in terms of the evidence, you, something else is that last week we were talking about your testimony. And your testimony, no one can take away from you. Your testimony stands the test of time. Remember last week when we were talking about this and we said about truth. You know, your testimony is truth. 
If your testimony is built on fabrication or lies, or you, then it will not stand. But if your testimony is on truth of what Jesus has done, that he is alive, then your testimony is one of the most powerful things that will see others transformed and changed. And so Jesus is alive today. And don't be afraid to share your testimony. But when all else fails, we need to know where we can go to in Scripture to find the evidence of Jesus being alive. Many people want to argue this case. You know, this is one of the, this is the this is a defining moment because yeah, many other religions can say that Jesus existed. Yeah, historical books can say that Jesus existed, but the fact is that Jesus didn't just exist; he died, and he rose again, and he is alive today. So let's now look at John 20 uh, from verse 11. But Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him. And I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. This is one, this is the first sighting of Jesus. And it's recorded here in detail in John's Gospel. He appeared to a woman first. That was totally cult anti-cultural. Do you appearing women didn't have any standing within culture and yet Jesus appeared to a woman first you may remember that Jesus goes and talks to a Samaritan woman at the well and the disciples when they see this they're baffled as to why he's talking to a Samaritan woman Jesus is bringing in the culture of equality he's placing women into that culture of equality that he is not just for men but he is for women too and that women have a place in culture in society there's a whole load of other things that he's doing within this but they, this is an infallible proof 
It's an infallible proof that Luke is talking about, that Jesus has appeared to Mary and he has shown her that he is alive. And she recognizes him, but she only recognizes him when he calls her name. And we see this again uh, in Mark 16. Uh, Mark 16 verses 9 to 11. We, we have exactly the same, but it's, it's in a smaller element here. He says, Now when he rose early on the first day of the week, that's Jesus, when he had risen, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. And when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they did not believe. Do you know, there's this thing here. Remember, we're talking about testimony earlier on, and we were talking about it last week in more detail. This is Mary's testimony. And Mary is testifying that Jesus is risen, that Jesus has spoken to her and has given her something to go and do. And here in Mark's gospel, it says they did not believe. How many of us share our testimonies of what Jesus does and were not believed? We, we touched on this last week. You know, it's for the Holy Spirit to move through our testimony. It's for the Holy Spirit to open eyes. But it's what God has given us. And that's why our testimony is vital. Because it's, it's not just something that we can share with others, but it's also the whole conviction within ourselves of when we came to know that Jesus was alive. And this is what's happening with Mary. Mary knows that Jesus is alive and this is her testimony this is her proof and even if people don't believe your testimony what then happens in mark 16 which we're going to read in a minute can give us hope because here then jesus appears to disciples mark 16 verse 12 after that he appeared in another form to two of them as they walked and went into the country and they went and told it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. This is a shortened version of what Luke actually writes about in Luke 24. It says this, Now behold, two of them were travelling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem, and they talked together of all these things which had happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which have happened there in these days? And he said to them, what things? So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. And now and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. 
Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he exploded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Let's just pause there a minute. Because these two disciples are on this road. And these are two disciples that have heard from Mary and the other you. There must have been other women there, but heard from the... Jesus is alive and they don't believe. They don't believe because they haven't seen themselves. They haven't seen it. They haven't seen the risen Jesus. They don't even know that they are walking with Jesus in this moment. Comes back to testimony. You know, sometimes people will hear our testimonies and they just won't believe it. They just won't see it. They won't see Jesus. They won't see how it's transformed lives. But what does Jesus do now? He, he, he's opening the scriptures to them. And then, in verse 28, then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is towards evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. It came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road, and while he opened the scriptures to us? So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem, and found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord is risen, and he has appeared to Simon. And they told about the things that had happened on the road, and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. Jay, this is powerful when it comes back to what we were talking about in week one about you the whole thing of doing and speaking because Jesus has opened he has opened the scriptures but in opening the scriptures they, they still haven't quite got it they still haven't understood and then when he comes to doing something he breaks the bread suddenly the whole thing comes together dare I say that within our testimony if we have a testimony and we speak God's word within the testimony and we act out, we show in the demonstration of our life, then people will be transformed and changed. Then people's eyes will be opened. It's all about the doing and the speaking. It's the two that go hand in hand. And these disciples, these followers of Jesus, now know that he is alive through what he has said and taught and what he has then done in the breaking of the bread. And then it continues. Luke continues by saying, Now as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed they had seen a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold, my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. 
Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. Remember that yeah, they've said, they've already said as, as the two disciples have come back from on the Emmaus road, they've said, oh, he's appeared to Simon. There's excitement about that. Then the two disciples share what they've seen. And then Jesus appears to them and there's like complete freak out and panic. But then he's told them not to be troubled. And he says in verse 40, when he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. But while they still did not believe for joy and marveled, he said to them, have you, have you any food here? So they gave him a piece of boiled fish and some honeycomb, and he took it and ate in their presence. Then he said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all these all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Then he said to them, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead and third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endured with power from on high. Here, Jesus does the same as what we've already talked about. He shows himself. He shows his hands, his feet. They still don't believe. And then he opens the scriptures again. And then they start to believe. It's just one thing after another all the time. It's just absolutely amazing at what Jesus does. These infallible proofs that Luke is writing about in Acts 3, what he says, that by many infallible proofs, he is alive. He's been proved to be alive. And then we get um, a passage in 1 Corinthians uh, 15. In fact, no, before we go to that passage, let's go to Matthew 28, uh, verses 11 to 15. In some ways, this is one of my favorite passages of proof says, Now while they were going, behold, some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests all the things that had happened. So this is everything that's happened in regards to Jesus' body disappearing. When they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers, saying, Tell them his disciples came at night and stole him away while we slept. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will appease him and make you secure. So they took the money and did as they were instructed. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. Matthew, if we remember, Matthew was a tax collector. And as a tax collector, he would have had his own bodyguard because of, of Roman soldiers because he wouldn't have been he wasn't liked by the Jews because he was collecting taxes from the Jews for the Romans. So he was an outcast from the Jews, but he wasn't a Roman, so he wasn't totally accepted. But therefore, to protect him, he had his own bodyguard. And so 
the fact that Matthew writes this, it shows that the relationship, I believe that the relationship he had with the Roman soldiers, his own bodyguard, still continued. Because for this to be leaked to him could only come through relationship. And so in that relationship, he has been told that the soldiers saw something that was unexplainable. And in that unexplainable uh, action, that unexplainable fact, that they run to the chief priests. They don't go to their own people. They go to the chief priests. And the chief priests then come up with this lie to say that the disciples have stolen the body. And they bribe them to say this. Because the chief priests don't want... You know, they, they, they can't even explain the truth. They can't explain, well, what's happened? Where's the body gone? The body's just disappeared. Okay, we need to make a lie up. And the whole thing of the fact that you know, if, if they had taken the body, then they would have presented it. Because then they would have been able to stop everything that was about to happen. If the disciples had taken it, then there was no need for what this passage is about. The fact is that Jesus rose from the grave. There are infallible proofs. And so then we go to 1 Corinthians 15. And uh, this is Paul writing. And I'm going to read from verse 3. For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. After that he was seen by over five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present, but some have fallen asleep. After that he was seen by James, then by all the apostles, and last of all, he was seen by me also, as, as by one born out of due time. There's the thing here, that he is seen by these people. Paul has got the evidence of these people. And whilst this is, is written by Paul and what we've been talking about um, you know, with the infallible proofs, this is just uh, written by Luke in Acts. This is, this is just a, an extension of those infallible proofs. Seen by Cephas, seen by the Twelve, seen by 500 brethren at once. 500! 500. 500! He showed himself to at once. Can all 500 be delusioned? No. 500 brethren at once of whom the greater part remain to the present. In other words, they're still alive. And then seen by James, then by all the apostles, and then seen by Paul. And Paul has that conversion on the Damascus road. He actually sees a risen Jesus. He hears a risen Jesus. He sees that light. And he hears his voice. These are all biblical... Um, proofs that Jesus was risen 
And this is exactly what Luke is talking about when he talks about the infallible proofs. And the fact that he says being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Yeah, one other uh, bit of evidence of infallible proof that I want to bring in here is by a Jewish historian called Josephus. Josephus writes this, About this time there lived Jesus a wise man, if indeed one ought to call him a man. For he was one who performed surprising deeds and was a teacher of such people as accept the truth gladly. He won over many Jews and many of the Greeks. He was the Christ. Josephus is actually proclaiming here that he was the Christ. He goes on to say, And when, upon the accusation of the principal men among us, Pilate had condemned him to a cross, those who had first come to love him did not cease. He appeared to them, spending a third day restored to life, for the prophets of God had foretold these things, and a thousand other marvels about him. And the tribe of the Christians, so called after him, has still to this day not disappeared. You know, there is evidence. Josephus, a historian, is put into is seen the evidence himself. And he calls the tribe of Christians. You know, these people that are believing in Jesus still haven't gone away. They're still there and they're still here today. Yeah, you may be listening to this and you are a follower of Christ, that you are a new creation, that you know who Jesus is truly, personally, as a relationship that he has revealed himself to you. And as you listen to this, it gives you, you know, more evidence, more stuff to hang everything on. But you can never take away your testimony. Or you may be listening to this and you've maybe stumbled across it. I say in inverted commas, stumbled across this. And you've listened with intent and interest of, well, you know, who is this Jesus? Where's the proof for this Jesus? Jesus is alive today. Scripture is very clear. Scripture clearly shows us and tells us that Jesus is alive today. That hasn't changed. Nothing has gone away. Jesus is still alive. And you know what? If you're listening to this and you don't know who Jesus is, there is no coincidence in the fact that you're listening to this. Jesus is knocking at your door. He's knocking at the door of your heart and he wants you to accept him. He's saying, hear all this truth, hear all this proof and accept me. I can transform and change your life. You don't need to carry on living the way that you're living anymore. The old is gone and the new is here. Accept me. This is the truth. Jesus is alive today. And there is proof. There is proof in testimony. And there is proof 
in scripture, which is people's testimony. And it's written to prove these things. So, as we come to the end of this time, Lord, we, we just bring this all to you. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you did go to the cross, that you suffered those things for our sins, that you bore our sins upon the cross. We thank you for that, and we thank you that you give us hope through your resurrection, that you are alive today, and that you are still transforming lives renewing lives, bringing healings into people's lives. Lord Jesus, may your proof shine into people's hearts and minds and so that they are totally convicted of your truth, of who you are, and that that cannot be shaken within themselves. Jesus name. Amen. Amen. It's been great to be able to spend this time with you and we will be back again next week where we will continue to be unpacking uh, verse by verse the book of Acts. But until next week, God bless you. Stay safe. Stay protected. May you know that you are loved. God bless.